Welcome, everybody, to Secrets of a Soap Opera Diva podcast. This is Victoria Rowell, and woo, lot going on in the world. Yes, I know that we are experiencing a lot of trauma. We are experiencing sorrow during COVID-19 and loss, and we are experiencing tremendous unity at the same time during the peaceful global protest. All right, now let's talk about daytime drama, lights, camera, calamity, and claws. Let's get into the suds. Today, we're going to talk about what really happens. Let the secrets of a soap opera diva share a little tidbit, bit of a secret. Did you know if you combined all the soap operas, I mean all of them, all together, Guiding Light, Another World, The Doctors, I mean all of them, you would have over 600 years of airtime. That's a lot of airtime, 600 years. You know, because soap operas are jobs for life. Soap operas go off, some of them, 40, 50 years. Incredible. All right. So today we're going to talk about what really happens behind the scenes. And boy, is there a lot to share. But we're also going to talk about what it takes to be a soap opera diva. So one of our main questions that comes in, can you be on a soap opera and be on another soap opera? So can you be on two competing soap operas at the same time? And the answer is yes. Oh, yes. You can be on one soap opera. So there are lots of soap opera stars that would be on one soap opera and would just cross the hallway at CBS and be on Bold and the Beautiful. So would be on Young and the Restless and then they'd go over and they would be on Bold and the Beautiful. But to answer the question happens all the time. Soap stars are traded like baseball players. They really are. What really happens behind the scene. Typically a soap opera actor gets a three-year contract. But unlike any other contract, you come up for revision every 13 weeks. So even though you're under contract, they do review you every 13 weeks. So there is an opportunity for a revision, meaning you could be replaced. And it's kind of unsettling when you've been working with an actor and then suddenly another actor is playing that role. It's, it's really disconcerting, but the show must go on. You might have 30 actors on a show like The Young and the Restless, all in different storylines. So we don't, believe it or not, we don't all see each other. We might see each other at the annual holiday party or at the Emmys, the daytime Emmys. But some of us never work together. It's absolutely insane, but it is what it is. It's how our storylines are written. So that's really fascinating. Um, people think that we're there all day long. We're not. Young and the Restless, once you finish your scenes, you can go home. So on other soaps, you, your call time might be at 7 a.m. in the morning, and you have to stay all the way until the end of the day, like a 9 to 5 job. Some people ask us, well, do you bring your kids? Do you bring your family? No. It's a job. It's like you working at your job. Like, would you bring your family with you to work at Home Depot? You know, would you bring your family with you to Stop and Shop, to Ralph's, to Piggly Wiggly? No. So it's the same difference. 
So it is an intense period while you're there. Call time could be anywhere from 6 to 7 a.m. in the morning. You get to, this, you have to find your parking space. CBS Television City is huge. It takes up a practical block. You get your parking space. We don't have assigned parking space. Every man for themselves. Get that parking space. You come in. You get to your dressing room. And you immediately are called to set. 7 a.m. we start blocking and rehearsing. You have to get your hair and makeup done. You can choose to have the makeup artist done. You can do it yourself. Same with the hair. Some actors prefer, actresses prefer wigs. Some prefer to have their hair done there. You rehearse your lines in the hair and makeup room. If there's any time, we rehearse in each other's dressing rooms. And if you're first up, you're on the set in one hour. So there's a lot that goes into very quickly, a lot of absorption of information. You have to get your breakfast. There's a commissary at CBS. You go to the commissary, you get your food, you get to your room, and you're on your own. You don't have people ripping and running for you. You are really independent getting this work done. People ask, well, what does it take to be a soap opera star? It takes a lot of effort. Um, you have to be consistent in building that character once you get that job. Because if you don't consistently hone in on that character, build the character, make the character believable so that the audience approves of the character. You, you, the audience, you, the fans really do determine the success of a character. If the fans say we can't stand that character, not because the character is maybe a villain, right? Like Sheila is a great villain on the young and the restless, but you're just not feeling the character. That actor's out of a job. So if the character really resonates with the audience, like Drusilla absolutely resonated with the audience. And um, it is because you said, we want to see more of this character. That's why my, my contract kept turning over and over and over again. And that's why we were able to grow the cast out the way that we did. Um, you all wanted to see me with a love interest. So we got Neil. And then the audience wanted Neil to have family and for Drusilla to have family. And that's how we got Walter and Lily Bell Barber. And that's how we got Tanya Lee Williams to play Olivia and so forth and so on. Of course, Shamar Moore, of course, Christoph St. John. So the audience drives really in soap opera, the success, the make or break of a character, and of a storyline. So, for example, there are many different topics that came into soap opera. Mixed race couples. Remember, soap opera started in the 30s on radio. And then with the advent of television in the 40s, the 50s, very popular. It's, it's been around forever. But mixed race storylines came into play, I think, around the 70s and 80s. Ellen Hawley is a queen. She's one of the first black actresses in daytime. And with mixed race storylines, there was a lot of controversy. Still, there can be a bubble up around mixed race in daytime. You would think 
in the 21st century, this would not be an issue. But clearly you can see it is still an issue because we're in peaceful protests. This peaceful protest is about a lot of things. And at the center of it is race. And we are still dealing with mixed race couples in television. Can you believe it? But that is something that we have to deal with. And Christophe St. John received, who played Neil, received hate mail. Hate mail when people thought that his character, Neil, was going to develop a relationship with Victoria Newman. Do you remember that? That was a problem. But also the reality of receiving hate mail. Something that you probably would not know. There's no reason why you would. People still mail in fan mail, folks, to soap opera actors. Many, many, many people watch soap opera because it is a main form of entertainment. You may not know that the margin of people that keep the young and the restless at number one are African-American women in the South. Our number one market is Louisiana. I was ever, always so proud of that stat and couldn't understand why it wasn't promoted. And so when Katrina came, this has to do with being a soap star because the soap star has a commitment, in my opinion, as an actor, I have a commitment to the community that I perform for. And so when Katrina came, my first reaction was going to Sony and asking, Sony owns 51% of The Young and the Restless, and asking them for the episodes that the Louisiana, our number one audience, missed during the tragedy of Katrina. And I got the episodes and I was able to go to a big church that had housing for Katrina victims who were displaced due to Hurricane Katrina. And we hung a sheet, big sheet, and we projected the episodes onto this sheet. You know, we had it taught. Young and the Restless provided a spread of food. We set up chairs. And let me tell you, those Katrina residents were so grateful that they could watch the young and the restless, the missed episodes while, you know, they had just come out of the dome in Louisiana and that they could, you know, that long bus ride to California and then be able to watch the episodes that they missed. And I was just ever so grateful to them because without the fans, without you, the audience, I don't have a job, period. And I love performing for you all. I just love it. And I love the character of Drusilla. I love what she represented. She was on the street. She was illiterate. She had resorted to stealing um, because she needed to eat. And a lot of what her character represents, represents so many people out of there. True to life, many of you know, but many of you may not know that I spent 18 years in foster care. And when I was emancipated at the age of 18 and in New York City, those were some tough times. Those were some really tough times left to my own devices. And you're desperate. People do th desperate things when you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. So that character meant more to me. The Drusilla character meant more to me than just a gig. The contract to me as a soap opera actor meant I could take care of my baby, my daughter, Maya. I later had a son. 
It meant that I could attain autonomy by being a soap opera actor because I knew a regular paycheck was going to come in for three years and I wasn't trying to get replaced. And it meant that um, I could show my community, my foster care community, that anything is possible. So I think it's very important to remember where you came from and to pass it forward. Go back to your community and pass it forward. The platform gave me so many opportunities uh, working with the Department of Children and Family Services. I still do speaking in my public appearances because of that character, because of being a soap opera actress, I was reunited with my first foster family who took me out of an orphanage and we had lost touch. You know, cause you move around in foster care. I read my fan mail. I was so excited to get that fan mail at CBS. I couldn't believe it. You all just sent and sent and sent mail, cards, gifts, to Drusilla. People sent paintings. And every time one of you sees me at the airport or at a function and you say, oh, you know, my grandmother, I used to watch you with my grandmother. Maybe the family member has passed. Maybe the family member has passed during COVID. And I'm so sorry for that. Um, but I want to thank you for always sharing those stories and how much that bonding experience meant to you. Because that's real. So the character meant a great deal. I took it very seriously. I, I, I remember a producer saying to me, you, you care too much. I'll never forget he said that to me. You care too much. But he had no idea what I had riding on Drusilla in real life. Drusilla was so much, meant so much. So, um, you know, being a soap opera actor, being an actor means much more than what it appears to be for people, especially people of color. Because if you would have told me that I was going to get off that farm in Maine and um, land in Hollywood with a two-bedroom apartment, um, I, I just probably, as optimistic as I am as a person, I would have found it hard to believe. I would want to believe it, but I would like how, but I have a strong faith in God. All I can say is, uh, very grateful for what my foster mother poured into me and all of, all of the women raised me, but all of that matters. People, all of that matters going into what it takes to be a soap opera star or a successful scientist or a successful teacher or a successful and committed activist. It all matters. You are the sum of your experiences and to turn your back on who you are, where you came from is like cutting off a limb. Stay true to yourself. Not everybody is going to get you and nobody has, has to get you. You have no control over people, places, and things. You have control over yourself, your conviction, what you know you deserve and what you should fight for. So I think becoming a successful soap opera star, why I lasted 14 years on that show and could have stayed longer, why I was doing a primetime show 
simultaneously for Viacom, another company under the National Amusements umbrella. An aggregate of 22 years for the company is because I did my job and I just didn't do it for self. I reached and reached and reached to bring in black hairstylists, to bring in black a black writer, the first writer on The Young and the Restless, Susan Dansby, in over three decades. These are not easy marches. These are long game marches where you're going to take some lumps, where you're going to be told to mind your business. But that was my business. Because if I know my predominant audience are black women, majority share in the South, in Louisiana, you better believe I'm coming for what I know is due, what is just economic inclusion for all. When you're making billions off of Procter & Gamble ad buys, advertising, etc. ad finitum for almost 50 years now. So I'm proud of my legacy there. I love acting and I love you all. So one of the social media questions I have is from Talisha and she's asking in between takes, are you all having fun or is the set always serious? Oh my God, Talisha, we are having so much fun. Um, we can be cracking up, but most of the time we are getting touch-ups, what they're called, quick touch-ups. There's very little time in between the next setups. So we're getting touch-ups, we're getting powder. I did my own touch-ups. I brought the makeup kit down on set and put it in the winter's kitchenette sink with a mirror. Quick lipstick, quick touch-up. This is not a long process because you can't have an attitude because the makeup artist can't get to you if she's, you know, touching up four other actors. No, this is show business. So I was about the business of doing self as needed. So, but we do have fun, but we have to have quick fun because this is an assembly line, 64 pages. Dana was asking, what's your favorite line of dialogue you've delivered on Young and the Restless? Well, Dana, I did over 2,000 shows, so there are so many favorite lines. But for example, um, I'll read you like a quick scene between Drew and Ashley. So it's like fun. So Drew has just seen Ashley in the Jabot lab with Victor. And after Victor leaves, Drew says, well. And Ashley says, oh, please, don't start with well. And Drew says, I could say, what the hell? But I probably should. I just liked how Drew always had these comebacks with that hussy or he cooked my last grit. I liked all of her little quips. And then what, well, I might as well just go on. And so Ashley says, no, don't hold back, Priscilla. Say what's on your mind. Okay, I'm going to start with a question. Ashley says, ask away. Were you two embracing? Or does Victor know that he's the biological daddy of Abby? I mean, I just love how Drew just got right to it. So I hope that answers your question. Let's get a trivia question in. Who knows 
the name of Jack Abbott's Vietnamese wife on The Young and the Restless. Who remembers Jack Abbott's Vietnamese wife's name? Okay, whoever figures out that answer, you might just get a lucky winner shout out from at Victoria Rowell. This is Victoria Rowell on Secrets of a Soap Opera Diva. I just want to say thank you for joining. Bubbles and kisses coast to coast. Until next time, stay safe, stay woke, stay tuned for more lights, camera, calamity and claws, and more secrets. Bye. Brought to you by Entertainment Speakers Bureau.